Hello! Welcome to Exploring the Divine Feminine. I'm your host, Ramona Sidaway, and this is episode number eight. We discuss all things related to the feminine divine, mostly within the context of the restored Church of Jesus Christ. Let's dive in. Today I wanted to talk about the Garden of Eden as a sanctuary and a temple, how that relates to Adam and Eve, and how that relates to our marriages today. Um, when we look at the outline of the Garden of Eden, it's easy to put it in as an archetype of the temple. A lot of times the, the Garden of Eden has been related and compared to as a temple, as an archetype. As we look at the way it's laid out, we can see the symbolism there. Eden was placed on a mountaintop because um, we read in Genesis that the rivers flowed downward from there. So it's up at a higher place. It's an enclosed place with only one entrance. Otherwise, the cherubim that the father put to guard the way couldn't have successfully guarded that access point. The garden is oriented eastward and also included in the picture of the garden are is the cherubim and the the fiery ever turning sword. So all of those have deep temple symbolic meanings. And as we talk about Eden we know from reading Genesis, from temp the temple, and other scriptures, that it's not only a lush garden, we, we know it was a beautiful big garden, but it was also a sacred space. And there are so many parallels between the Garden of Eden, the uh, tabernacle in the desert that Moses was commanded to set up, um, the Holy Temple, both in Jerusalem and in modern-day temples. We see a lot of those parallels between uh, the Temple and the Garden of Eden. So the Garden of Eden, it's a sacred space. It was a place that God the Father walked in, it says, in the cool of the day, which I absolutely love that imagery. If we're to really be able to understand the scriptures, the scriptures used to be read, uh, or excuse me, they were read out loud. There were stories that were told out loud, not read as we read them today. And so, been more of a visual experience as these narratives would have been told and retold over and over again. And then as we visualize things, we're able to see more of what's in the scriptures, what's symbolic. And I think the spirit can work on us and work within us in a different way than uh, just sitting down and reading it. I, I love to read. So I love to read and research. So the reading part for me is, is, is fabulous. It's great. But if you want to try something else, a new way of being able to understand these things and try visualizing everything that is in that has been told in these narratives. The Garden of Eden, it's a sacred sanctuary. It's the Holy of Holies. It's the center of this new world. 
this is a place where the presence of God abided. Um, it seems like, I mean, if we are just visualizing, it must have been a very safe space, a very calming, sacred place where Adam and Eve had this amazing opportunity to just talk with them, to sit down and just have these conversations and and just the feel of that fullness of that of the spirit and of of his presence it was and and as we look at it as an archetype of the temple we we can visualize and sense that the temple is a place that we can go if we are prepared we have to be in the right um, mind in the framework we can go to that sanctuary and to be able to feel more fully of God's presence. I truly believe that second only to the temple is the home that we can, we have that um, direction and the opportunity of creating a very sacred space in our home. Um, overall, Yes, in the home, it's whatever we bring into it, um, whatever we allow to stay in there, we have full control over that. I would also recommend that we have one room, just one room, whatever you want it to be, where it is set aside for something for even more special, that somebody could go and sit, and it's not where the children play, it's not where we do our crafts, it's... Um, it can be a formal living room. It can be a, just a special area. In one of our homes, um, when we lived overseas, we had this really small room upstairs that it was too small to put a bed in. Um, I guess we could have put in some kind of wardrobe to hang up clothing. But I turned it into a meditation room, a sanctuary where nothing else was allowed in there. I had a, a couple of things in there that, um, you know, I could put in a candle when I was meditating, uh, perhaps some soft music, and I had my meditation mat. And for me and for anybody who else wanted to go in there, but it was mostly me, it was a place that was completely free of the world. There were no other objects in there. And I didn't allow other things in there. Even there were a few cupboards, um, but I didn't even want the energy of secular books or anything of that sort. It was a place for me to really focus and meditate and be at one with, with God. Now, this can be at any place. You don't have to have a um, a sequestered place to pray, obviously. But I like this idea of the Garden of Eden as, um, as an example of a place where a man and woman first came together um, and were in the presence of God. It talks about in Deuteronomy that it was, it talked about God walking about in the garden and, um, well, in, in Genesis, but there's a linguist, linguistic parallel in Deuteronomy when they're talking about the tabernacle of the, um, the Israelites in the desert. So that 
there's a Hebrew word that is used in both of those in Genesis and in Deuteronomy that is a verb that's used to describe both God's walking about in the garden and his moving about to protect the Israelites in the desert where they're instructed to to keep their camp holy. They they wanted to keep that special place in the desert that they had created and they had control over to keep it sacred for God to be able to dwell and to walk about and to protect. And I take a lot from chapter 12 of my book, The Role of a Husband and Father. I think a lot of times it's unfortunate that if we talk about some people feel like if they talk about female empowerment, that that means that they need to denigrate the male or that that there's no place. And that's not at all what my message is. My whole message is taking the power of both of them, the sacred power that's been given them separately, and that they're meant to bring it together to create an even greater power. With the Garden of Eden, each of them had roles. Adam's role in Genesis 2.15 in the Hebrew Bible, where it says to work it and guard it. Adam is an archetype for the great high priest. He is the high priest in the Garden of Eden, which of course makes Eve a priestess, a high priestess. You can't have a patriarch without a matriarch. You can't have a priest without a priestess. They both go together. So he is the high priest. He is an archetype. Adam is an archetype for the great high priest, which is Jesus Christ, which all of our you know, the symbolism from the law of Moses, from our, the temple ceremonies through um, even when women and wives are compared to the church, where Jesus is the husband, the high priest, and the women are are compared to the church. So when you look at Adam and man's role as a high priest, how he's to stand guard and protect, and we talked about this in one of the episodes about presiding, that presiding means to stand in front of and protect. Now, once again, I want to reiterate that presiding in the home is very different than presiding in the church. It's very different. It's the same word, but different meaning, different context. And this makes a huge difference. We, um, the way a husband and father will behave in the home and the, as well as the wife and mother, their partners. And in essence, they preside together. But when we speak of the man presiding in the home, it's in the context of the priest priesthood where he is the high priest. He stands guard and protects Eden, the Garden of Eden. And as we've discussed, the home is as can be as sacred second only to the temple so he the husband and father as a high priest stands guard in front of the home which is meant to be holy and kept holy in 
I liked in the the Garden of Eden story in Genesis, the tree has often, um, most of the time, had a very sacred symbolism in the uh, Middle East and ancient Israel, and even even in today. The trees, um, along with a lot of the other symbolism, a tree will symbolize God as well. Um, we won't go into it too much, but the tree of life vision that Lehi and Nephi had, where the love of God is represented by the tree, and it is often um, represented as Jesus Christ. And that's one very strong motif, very strong archetype. We will talk about this in another podcast, which I'm excited about, about another archetype that it represents. And once you, once you hear about that, you will, you'll wonder why we didn't see it before as strong and why it's not discussed more. But that's just a teaser for an upcoming podcast. A lot of times the trees are symbolic of the mother in heaven. And there's a, a wonderful legend, a wonderful narrative that talks about how the mother is represented in the trees in the Garden of Eden. And when the father comes and is walking and Adam and Eve hear him and they are afraid and they hide, well, they hide among the leaves and if you think of the tree as an archetype for the mother, the mother in heaven, they are hiding among her leaves, like hiding in the folds of her skirt. I love that image to where they are going to her for comfort and for, for nurturing. But eventually she has to shoo them out and, and stand by her, her husband and and talk with Adam and Eve. Now, th these are just my visualizations, okay? These are my, this is my way of, I guess, the poetry or the prose to be able to visualize what happens in the Garden of Eden. And I do really believe that the Mother in Heaven was actively involved in that. So I visualize that the leaves are like the folds of her skirt that that, she, that they go to, they run to, and are encompassed with love and security. We move forward, and as we talk about the roles of husband and fathers and how they relate to women, that Adam is the high priest, an archetype of Jesus Christ, the great high priest. Just as in the book, in my book, We Are Adam, The Partnership of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, and What It Means for You. In other chapters, I've discussed the special kinship that Christ felt with women because of how far into the valley of death that they, they go when they uh, give birth, and also by the essence of how much, how they are a scapegoat so many times and they have been throughout all of history in almost every single culture and so we have a special kinship with christ because of that well just as we do um 
Christ and men share a very divine role. Just as Christ provides for all of us, he covers us with the protection of the atonement. Every husband and father, righteous husband and father, is expected to provide for and protect his family as well as he can, just like Christ as a high priest does for us, for the church. The husband and father as the high priest of the home covers, um, he follows, you know, he protects the family and he covers them with protection. He does this in part, in a big part, just by following the commandments, adhering to his covenants and honoring his priesthood. If he does all three of those, I think everything else just falls into place. And it would be hard for him to misalign himself. While some aspects of the roles of men and women, they converge or cross over, each of us must be in tune with the Spirit to know how best to serve in our specific roles and how we best serve in those roles as we cross over. Both men and women are called upon and blessed to protect the family and each other. Now, the wife is not going to be physically able to protect the husband as well, or even the entire family, but she can protect the sanctity of the home. She needs to live and nurture in such a way that there are feelings of love and safety and security that are in the hearts of each family member. As we read about the different roles that men and women, husbands and wives play in the in their family, we can see how it can apply to both, right? It's you read about how there's love, safety, and security that the family feels. We we can see that in the role of the husband as well, the role of the father. So they cross over and the way we fulfill those roles is going to be different not only because of our gender, but because of who we are, our personalities, and what God has asked us to do, what our mission has been in that particular family. The women can create a spiritual haven, just as the man can. The home is a place that is set apart from the world. And especially in today's world, there's an um, so much harshness and evil influences that this becomes more and more paramount. The apocryphal manuscript uh, that was found by Nicholas Natovich in 1887, so there are additional teachings of Jesus. There is a verse in there that reads, quote, be submissive towards your wife. Her love ennobles man, softens his hardened heart, tames the brute in him, and makes of him a lamb, close quote. A lot of times we wonder, are we to submit? What does that mean, submission? And I say, yes, we are both to submit to each other. It takes an enormous amount of humility in a marriage, in basically any relationship between a man and a woman, whether it's in the church, outside of the church. It takes a lot of humility. And I believe that there is submission on both sides. And once again, we follow the spirit. What does that mean? 
what do I need to do to change to be to have a meek and humble heart to be able to work with this person, this my husband, my wife. For two righteous people that are married in the new and everlasting covenant, and they're both faithfully keeping commandments and covenants, with those two people submitting to one another, it is not a punishment and it is not controversial. It becomes paramount in a healthy and happy relationship. A husband and wife are to heed each other's counsel and they need to be meek enough to recognize that their partner's vantage point is different yet extremely useful from their own. The marriage of a man and woman is a symbol of Jesus's relationship to the church. So the man is the high priest, just like Christ is. And he stands in front of, in the sense of protecting his home, his garden of Eden, his sanctuary, so that all that those who dwell within there the wife, the high priestess, the children that they have, whatever they have created by tilling that ground symbolically, whatever sanctuary they've created, whether or not they have children in or out of the home, anybody who comes into that home, whatever they create in that home that goes out into the world and creation can mean anything, he stands as a high priest as a high priest and what does that mean what is a man's role in protecting that sanctuary that home in closing i wanted to talk i wanted to bring up briefly about when the lord takes a rib from adam and he makes a woman remember this is all symbolic the Hebrew word for rib, as it's used in Genesis, it is tsela, T-S-E-L-A. In all of the other instances in the Old Testament, this word is translated and used as side, meaning um, always in the context of a tabernacle or temple construction. So it's only for some reason in these two verses in Genesis that the word, the Hebrew word is translated as rib. Let's think about that. If it is the side of a temple, of a holy building, a holy construction, the master builder himself, God, uses the side of Adam to create or build another human being. And if it's if she's a side of a holy building, and he's another side, what does that make them? Adam and Eve together become a temple. They are now this holy sanctuary. Think about what a high priest will do in front of the holy sanctuary of the two united together and how he's, protect, he's to protect that relationship, protect that unity, protect that sanctuary, that temple that the two of them now together 
have created and what is expected from that union, what is expected from that marriage, if it is as holy as a temple. If he's the high priest of that holy sanctuary, she is the high priestess of that holy sanctuary. Just contemplate that for a second. And I think when you see and visualize your marriage, your relationship in that context, that it is like a holy temple. It is a sanctuary. It is a garden of Eden in the center where the presence of God can dwell. I think we will look at our roles, our callings, our missions as the high priest is the high priestess, the patriarch and the matriarch, the man and the woman, we will be able to better visualize what we are supposed to do, what we are responsible for, what we are accountable for, and the power we have within that relationship. It's amazing stuff. Visualize the scriptures. When we think about, if we focus on the positive image of Eden, as God's first dwelling place, as that our marriage is like a temple, like a sanctuary, that we are to create a place that is so anchored to have in close contact and have a communion between God and us. This will help prompt us to think of what is needed to restore that relationship between us and God. And if and when we have hiccups in our own relationship, what we need to do to restore our own relationship so that God's presence can dwell, so that we can once again become that sanctuary, that temple. Thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate all of my listeners. If you have a chance, please hit the subscribe button. I have new podcasts every Friday morning, 10 a.m. sharp. Sisters and brothers, it's our time. We are finally emerging from the wilderness to a better understanding of our divine purpose, mission, and destiny. Thank you so much for joining me. Until next time.